Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Professional Life Crisis. This week, I was honored to speak with Kate Thompson, who is a leadership coach, experienced designer, marketer, and art enthusiast. If you're going through something personal right now outside of work, I highly recommend this episode. Kate's perspective and how she shifted her mindset to accept and thrive in a season of what some may see as negative circumstances is inspiring. Some of the themes we covered in this episode are navigating a cancer diagnosis along with being a mom and being laid off for the third time, how positivity is like an orbit, and how to avoid toxic positivity, why she relates to describing herself more with verbs than with nouns these days, and how to provide clarity for others about what she does how she's creating her ideal clients rather than selling to them or even attracting them, conscious leadership and what it means to create versus to react. Kate is an incredibly genuine professional and person, and I truly hope that you enjoy our conversation. Cheers. So Kate, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, You started your career selling art, and we met because we were doing chief of staff uh, type of work in a similar vein, and now you're a leadership consultant. So tell me a little bit more about yourself and your journey. Yeah, sure. So I went to art school and quickly realized that I didn't really have the passion to create art, but I like to be around it. And I wanted to support the people who do have that drive and passion and just have to make. I got into gallery work and then that led to museum work. And I helped open a contemporary art museum in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, And it was non-collecting. So the thing that mattered were the visitors and the programs that we did. Um, So as director of exhibitions there, I got really interested in visitor experience and why people go to museums and what makes it a valuable experience for them. Um, So that led me into just user experience, customer experience in general, which got me into marketing. Um, I ended up at an open source tech company, Red Hat, um, because of the ethos around open access to ideas. And that came from the art world as well, that um, I strongly believe that. Yeah, yeah. Like the the myth of the lone genius that um, that's really actually rare and that all ideas are just remixes and combinations of things that already exist um, brought to life in a new way. Um, And sometimes you can see the path where they came from and sometimes you can't. But regardless, I feel like everything is connected. So um, love that idea of access to information too. I think that's part of what is so fascinating about the world right now. And um, I mean, I get really corny here and show my age, but the internet <laughs> wasn't around. When I was- <laughs> You're dating right? yourself now. <laughs> it's so, all good. We are yeah. accepting on this podcast. Right. I mean, you have, you have a question and you can get an answer. I mean, the answer right. might not be accurate, but you can get an answer immediately. And that's really changed the culture too. So um, yeah. All of that got me uh, just really interested in people and the way that we act and behave and work with each other and working at such a big um, matrixed organization. It was fascinating to me because the museum was really tiny, right? So there was only four of us on staff. I think the most people we ever had was 10. So to all of a sudden go work at this company that had, you know, almost 20,000 people in it was just wild. 
Um, so that really got me into leadership and and what it takes to help teams work together and actually accomplish what an organization is trying to accomplish. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. But then I got laid off. So like so many of us. <laughs> me too. There, you know, we're working on it where there's light yeah. on the other side of the tunnel, I would say, but it's um, every day comes different emotions with it. I don't know how the experience has been for you. Some days I feel like I can take on anything. I have a world of opportunities open for me now. Other days I'm like, okay, so how many months do I have savings to pay my bills? (laughs) Um, This mortgage is not going to pay itself. And it's a very uh, non-linear emotional path, at least for me, husband. How have you felt? Absolutely. Well, so this is actually my third time being laid off and all three were really different scenarios. Yeah. Um, But because of that, I don't know, I think um, there's this idea that when you have a job, you have some sense of security. Um, but that after being laid off three times, I'm like, wait a minute, this actually isn't very That's secure. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's essentially like I, I'm an agency with a gorilla client, right? All of a sudden, all my income is gone. Um, right. And so that's another reason oh, why that's I a great way to put it. At least when yeah. you're an independent consultant, or if you have multiple projects going on, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So diversify your income, right? That's a, yeah. that's a better strategy. As far as how I feel about it. I don't know if it's like, because I'm a <laughs> object, I'm a woman of a certain age, but I'm to a point where I want I'm ready to become more accepting of the way that the world is around me and not get so um, frustrated or, I don't know, feel like a victim, like things are happening to me. And so this has been a path I was on even before I got laid off of things are not happening to me and not even that they are just happening, but they're actually happening for me. They are happening Mm -hmm. for me to live the life that I'm supposed to live. Yeah. And that that helps me not get so caught up on, did I make the right decision? Well, yeah, I made the right decision because I made it. And now I'm going to go where I'm going to go and not have too much spinning of wheels. Should I have done this differently? Like, I, I'm not saying don't reflect. I think it's, it's really important to be introspective and to reflect. Um, but it doesn't have to turn into this, like, guilt and shame fest on yourself. <laughs> right. So um, much of the agony that we go through about decisions that we make and um, the things that we do, I think is the over processing and overthinking about it, both before and after. And once the decision is made, there's not much sense in that, right? Like, unless there's some way you can magically flip a switch and go back. I I feel like it's better to commit and just say, this is the path that I'm on right now. This is a door that opened for some reason that maybe I'm not aware of right now. And maybe other doors closed for reasons I'm also not aware of. I've been thinking about this myself, too, because um, I've been trying to decide whether I should apply for other jobs or um, do more freelance work and take the podcast further. And then I get caught up sometimes in the frenzy of looking for roles and sending out applications. And when you get a rejection, sometimes that feels very personal. But I'm also trying to take that mindset like you you have in your writing um, on your sub stack where 
there there's some reason that these things are happening for you and like a closed door is as much of a thing that happens for you as is an open door yes it's hard to think <laughs> it's it's easier said than actually done and actually felt yeah. but i'm trying to adopt that mindset too there's a reason certain things are not available to you yeah and i think we have to do this work ourselves if we want to be able to do this successfully in teams of people Mm-hmm. And most work, a lot of work happens when with people working together, right? So to be able to to show up in this way um, is really helpful. And something that I have experienced a lot across many, many jobs and situations and families and friends and everything, too, is this kind of blame mindset of like, well, something went wrong. Why did it go wrong, right? As a strategist, I want to know, like, why did it go wrong so we can do things differently next time? But that tends to lead to, like, well, because this person made this decision and it led to something bad. It led to something we don't want. First of all, information is neutral, right? The it's bad is the story that we're telling ourselves. And it's bad and that person is bad or they made a bad decision or whatever. These are just stories, So if we're able to back out of that and say, all right, well, this is the decision that was made. This is what occurred. Uh, We don't want that to happen again. So let's just move on rather than putting all of this like fear around it. And, and I know that comes from this larger mindset of fear and scarcity and working in a, you know, capitalist environment doesn't really help that because there's a lot of competition and, you know, if if they win, I lose and all of that. Right, <laughs> so, right. You know, it's it's hard to, to get past that, which is why I think you have to do you have to do the work yourself first if you want to be able to show up well on a on a team and as a leader as well. Yeah. I'm curious if your perspective and your ability to sort of detach from the emotional piece of these outcomes has changed with age. Because I think the more perspective that you get and the more things that you see happen across your life and in the world that has to have some effect on like how you process situations. And I think some people I've seen get increasingly negative as they get older, you know, they're, they're chipper, they're positive, they're excitable when they're younger. And then like the, the, world just taints them with all this like cynical (laughs) um you know like like mindset but it seems like you're almost on like an opposite trajectory and i'm just so curious how you've done that i'm sure it's been a very intentional effort on your part would you say yes and i think that that's the piece right there right is intentional and conscious i've been pretty interested in this concept of conscious leadership recently and There's a lot of stuff out there that uses different words about the same thing. So um, another word I use is drifting. So you don't want to drift. You want to stop drifting, Hmm. um, which is a way of being unconscious, right? You're just kind of moving through life, reacting to things. Hmm. Reactor versus creator is something that's been on my mind lately. And I do want to just address something you said a minute ago, though, about um, I think the word might have been repressing the feeling or the emotion. And, and I definitely don't like, I still feel the emotion, right? Like I'm not to a point yet where it doesn't phase me. Mm. I think the point is that I, I feel it. I acknowledge it. I go, Oh, that's interesting. It made me angry or jealous or annoyed or frustrated or whatever. Okay. What am I going to do? 
and it's definitely not always perfect, right? I have kids too, so like they test my patience all the time. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, uh, yeah, but it's it's a great reminder because I'm like, okay, well, my actions and my attitude rub off on them mm. very much so. And because I'm thinking about this stuff consciously, I I cannot react in a way that um, I maybe a, have reacted in the past. That's a magic gift. Because um, <laughs> when you have tiny humans around mimicking your behavior, mimicking yeah. your attitude, oh, I'm sure I would see a lot of things about myself that I don't see right now. Because right now, you know, independent, you're, you're young, you're you're not faced with that that mirror for yeah. everything that you do totally. all the time, um, like a little parrot mimicking the words you say. Completely, they they are a mirror um, and an amazing learning opportunity. But I think that's something that everything around us is an opportunity for learning. And in fact, everything around us is a bit of a mirror too. The way that we see the world is through our own perspective. And when, you, when somebody else says something to you, it's coming from their perspective. But even then, what you see and take out of it is what you're able to understand, what you're able to perceive. I keep wondering if perception and perspective is the thing I'm supposed to be talking about more because that comes out of my art background as well. Um, one of the first things they teach you in art school is to draw what you see, not what you think you see. Um, and that our brains are always translating and shortcuts, right? Because we can't possibly process all the information that's coming at us. So we wouldn't yes. be able to function, right? So it's processing, it's shortcutting. Um, and then that continues to, to grow and you develop patterns and you think you know the way the world works because you've experienced things before. And I think that's why people get like jaded and frustrated too. They're mm, like, yeah, I yeah. tried and I tried and it never worked. And so that's the way the world is. Things don't work. Life isn't fair. That, you know, they tell themselves these stories. But that's not true. That's just their reality. Mm, but it's yeah. not true for everyone. Um, and so one of the things about leadership that I really want to help is helping people get outside of their own heads and their own expertise and knowledge and perspective to to let more in to be more open and curious mm -hmm. i like that i wanted to touch on another theme from your writing that i really like and i'm curious how you have developed this mindset and that theme is around how positivity and emotions are more like a cycle or an orbit uh. and positivity can be something that comes and it goes and you don't need to harp on that um, and hold it so tightly. How do you sure. how do you think about that, and how do you let it go when it's time for you know the positivity to come you know back around and orbit and leave you for a little while? So, yes, that was something that I wrote in my last blog post where I talked about the fact that I have cancer right now and um, and how I'm dealing with that and approaching it from a positive sense. Um, I had to put that in because I realized that without it, it was coming across a little too much like toxic mm. positivity, right? Yeah. The like, just you look on the bright all side. the time. Yes. Yeah. It could be worse. Yeah. Silver lining. Yeah. You've got it so much better than everybody else. Like that is not the point. Yes. You want to see things from the lens of possibility 
and positive. And I do think that I hope that I will get to a place later in my life where I am more enlightened and I am able to not just believe this, but know it because I will have experienced it. But for now, um, this this is (laughs) this is the path. But yes, when you try too hard to hold on, but you're still having feelings, right? You're still human stuff is still happening. Um, then you start to feel guilt and shame, like, oh, I need to be more positive. Mm-hmm. And so instead, I'm like, you know what? This is just the way I'm feeling right now. Like, this is shitty. I have cancer. I have to go through this. My sister had it. My cousin has it. Like, what the? F- you know, this is not cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's not cool. <laughs> so I don't hold on to it, but I return to it. I remember <laughs> to return to it. And, and I don't know if it's a cycle or an orbit or orbit doesn't sound quite right either. I know that's the words that balls and bounces or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's, it's like, this it's like, let idea it go. That you don't, you don't own it and it can ebb and flow. Yeah. But it's attached to me too. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's still there. It just kind of goes further and I pull it back and I come back to it. And there's a thing and I, I'm totally going to mess this up and I sh- probably shouldn't even bring it up, but I'm going to anyway about in Sufism about the remembrance. And it's like, you are a divine being and you may forget that, but it, you just remember. So in mindfulness practices, you, you remember, um, you come back to it, you return to it. And that's something I think is super powerful. But again, it takes the consciousness and the intention um, yeah. to say, oh, you know what? I need to, I need to remember. How am I going to do this? I just went to Sedona for a couple of days, and that was my sort of uh, remembering. I'm not super like woo-woo on the woo-woo scale. I definitely am a little bit. I manifest <laughs> shit. But, um, <laughs> but it's amazing being in the presence of other people who are there for the purpose of some sort of self-actualization and reflection. I went to one hike that had a vortex in side of it and i got to the top and i was like i feel it i'm feeling it (laughs) but yeah you do you do have to be intentional about that because i think especially for people like me and you who are in the tech world very driven very motivated very high achieving like sometimes that gets in the way because it's it's the thing that's so in focus and it's the thing you're thinking about so much but you can't show up well to your job or to your own new career that you're shaping if you don't feel yourself grounded. We just often get very tied up in the job world and yeah. it's important to come back to yourself. Well, there, depending on what culture you're participating in, there can be a lot of hustle. Um, you know, we got to keep doing, right. we got to be productive. It's about performance you know, performance reviews and all of that stuff, like metrics, making sure that it's done well in such a way that people understand if they're making the change that they're being paid to make, right? Like that, that is so unclear to so many people. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. That is a great way to put it. You know, it's like, are you delivering on the amount of money you need to grow the business by essentially in order for them to keep you around? Yeah, and it changes, right? It it changes because the business changes because the world changes. So again, I think it comes back to leadership, like understanding and being more observant about the people around them and the world around them. Yeah. What? There was something you were just saying. And we were talking about the, the woo woo and being in Sedona and yeah. The well, vortexes. okay. So 
I actually have just used the singular word woo, but I feel like the more people I talk to about it say woo woo. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm well, away. I think, yeah, like woo woo is like even implying a little extra woo. Yes. <laughs> I actually just like woo, just one woo. Actually, that's one of my five strengths in the uh, the Clifton strengths. Have you taken that? Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. woo is one of mine in the sense that I, I like to please people and, and sort of bring my energy. But I think, yeah, the, the woo woo is um, you know, <laughs> not just implying the presence of a little bit of woo, but extra woo. Yeah. <laughs> so I think if someone is really, really, actually, truly woo, they, you know, they don't see it as as woo. It's like if you're still a little bit cynical and jaded is when you put that that word on it. And mm. so I'm trying to walk that line because I want to go more that way. I want to be more accepting. I want to be more connected to the universe, to the divine, to understand that I am not actually this individual self, but I am just you know, and here I'll get real boo. I am a vessel for, you know, the energy to come through. Yeah. Um, because and I think part that's part of, of the whole, it's not yeah. just you operating on your own little train. Yes. It's you in connection with what's around. Yeah. And I, I read something really beautiful recently. So there's this author, Steve Chandler, sometimes he's called the godfather of coaching, um, who has written many books and I have two of them. I have Creator and Crazy Good, and I've listened to a number of his podcasts and interviews, and he's just really, really fascinating. And he brought up something about the difference between believing and knowing, um, and that you don't have to believe in something if you know it, if you've experienced it. Mm. He's an ex-alcoholic. So many of the like amazing books and guru type people out there are all like ex-addicts. They're all people who have hit rock bottom, who've had to go through this, who've experienced and who've seen, you know, the light, if you will, and realize like, oh my God, I am not this alone singular being like I am. Like they know it. And so I think where I'm at right now is that I want to believe. I don't even believe it yet. I want to believe. Yeah. <laughs> because I that keeps me more positive in the face of joblessness and cancer and parenting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny when you put it that way. There's <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be really easy to, to lean into those stories as being negative. Yeah. Right. Because, uh, because it is a hassle. Right. And I think that's another thing is like, well, life is not a go- going according to my plan. Life get, it got in the way. I'm like, well, you know, so what is, is our life meant to just be this comfortable hassle free thing? I don't mm-hmm. think so. Yeah. So maybe we need to get a little more accepting of the things that life throws our way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I aim to be more accepting of the things that happen for me um, <laughs> and not get so caught up in my perception of them and to sort of allow a thought that there is some um, reason and there's something that is in there for me. There's some reason, there's some opportunity to learn something and to grow. Yeah, you're right. If, if we're on the comfortable path, I mean, what do you learn on the comfortable path? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> just yeah. hang out. <laughs> you know, you just hang out and get paid. And okay, I mean, fine. It's cushy, but 
And there's moments in life for that too, right? But then when a challenge does happen, which it will, Mm -hmm. um, you're not necessarily prepared for it. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't handle it in the way that maybe is living by the values that you want to have. That's integrity with, with the type of person you want to be. Mm. You know, some people wear their cynicism like a badge and I, a badge of honor. And, and I think I was one of those people up until not all that long ago. Right. And mm. I think. I, I wear that as well. Um, yeah. As a New Yorker, I think it's part of our upbringing. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, that that's, um, it's a way to show you're not naive. You're yeah. educated. You have yes. grit. I have Ed- experienced yes. things. Yes. <laughs> but what yeah, is it getting us, you know? Exactly, the culture. So when I think about why people are burnt out, or feeling like there's got to be more or feeling a lack of meaning in their work. I think so much of it comes down to the fact that we can't see the difference we're making. We can't see the change that we make in this kind of tech knowledge work environment. Um, whereas when you are close to the earth, like, you know, you cook a meal, you create a thing, you plow yes. the field, you know, whatever it is, like you can see I did work yes. and then this is different. Oh my and gosh. Visual. This is one of the things that I actually found the most difficult about working in consulting specifically because in consulting I felt like I was even more divorced from like the actual impact of the work than working in tech like at least having more of a hands-on role I felt like I was doing something but it's crazy pulling weeds in my garden makes me feel more like I've accomplished something because you see it you touch it. it you made it and so I I totally agree with you I think it's it's interesting that in the capitalist world, we see getting like closer to enlightenment as making more money, being in business, owning a company and retiring with millions of dollars in the bank. But I think that's actually like so much further away from that like physical connection that you have to a project, like working on my house, pulling weeds in the garden. Those are things that actually it, like makes me feel like, yeah, like I've accomplished something. You can see it. It's here. Yes. Well, and I love the weeds in the garden metaphor, too, because I think people think creating means you are put something from nothing, Mm. but you can also create space or clarity. And like, that's what you're doing when you're when you're weeding the garden, you're not planting Mm. flower, you're not putting stuff in, you're not adding. But the act of subtracting is still creation. Mm. Um, I like that metaphor. And I think about that around the house when it's like, God, what did I do today? Well, I cleaned the house and I created this space that now allows me to breathe and feel a little more comfortable um, than just like living in the chaos of having two kids and two cats and a husband who works in a wood shop and tracks <laughs> sawdust everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he creates physically. I'm sure like yes, he, he does. feels very connected to, you know, his work and the, the sort of outcome of it. Oh, yeah. It's really funny trying to talk with him about um, working in like the big tech companies. Like, I mm-hmm. do not understand what you do. Like, it is so yeah. abstract. I'm like, I know. <laughs> like, yeah. That's part of why it's so hard. Yeah. And he'll he'll have a furniture metaphor for everything, which I love because <laughs> it helps you get it tangible, right? Like, it, we yeah. need things to be tangible and visible and, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yes. That's why I went to work for artists, right? Is they had this passion and this drive to do a thing. 
Um, and I think that's just really special. And so much of us lack that now. You know, we sit around without meaning and we try and fill those holes by binge watching Netflix or mm-hmm. drinking alcohol or, you know, whatever it is, whatever Ooh, our thing is. You are touching on some <laughs> self-reflective points that I've been asking myself <laughs> going into the end of the year, thinking about, yes, my relationship with all of my vices um, for emotional numbness and <laughs> um, what kind of relationship I want to have with them in the future. Um, the jury's still out. Well, I have more books I can recommend to you if you want. Oh, yes. Uh, for alcohol, there's there's a book called The Easy Way to Control Alcohol. In fact, there's The Easy Way for Smoking and Other Stuff, too. It's this guy, Alan Carr, um, and it's a kind of an amazing book. And it's an amazing study in writing as well. If you read the way that he's repeating things in a certain way, Um this is going to get woo, and I'm surprised I'm even saying this out loud, but I'm going to. I think I that book might have hypnotized me a little bit. Really? Yeah, yeah because by the end of oh. it, I felt different. Like, I, my body felt different after reading this book, and I had zero cravings to drink alcohol. Um, and oh, my God. What did he after. say in the book? <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah. I mean, you have to read the book, right? You have okay. to read the whole book. That's part of the thing. Um But there's a lot of little snippets in there that just really resonated with me. And one of them was, you know, alcohol and any kind of drug, really taking it, doing it, take having the drink gets rid of the anxiety that the drug put there in the first place. Mm -hmm. So people who don't drink don't have the I really need a drink (laughs) feeling. Um, And that seems so basic to say. Right. But addiction. It's like if you don't eat sugar, you don't crave sugar. Yeah. And, and I was I was resonating with it. Some of the stuff he was talking about, like if you were to go to a, a party or a wedding and there's no bar and you start to feel anxiety, like, oh, my God, there's no bar. That's when I realized, like, I, I have a thing. Like, this mm. is a thing. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm not going to be able to even enjoy this party because there's no alcohol. And that's parties have alcohol. There's so much of that out there, whether it's, um, yeah, games or television or phone social media phone right. games they're kind of addicted to that. this phone game right now called 1010 it's like <laughs> it's not doing anything for me but it's like little hits of dopamine like the stuff yeah. is everywhere yeah 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 it's everywhere um it's funny to talk <laughs> about the uh the little hits of dopamine um i think we get so used to the immediate you know gratification um that the phone allows yeah and in October, I was in Denver visiting one of my friends who moved there from New York City. For the first time, I'd never been to Denver. And she took us to a climbing gym. And she didn't tell us beforehand that there weren't going to be like harnesses, that you weren't going to be on, you know, like a rope or a bungee. So it's just like these big climbing walls, you're just free climbing. And um, later I learned that this is like a preparation for going out into the outdoors and doing what they call bouldering. And she said, it's so much fun because all you have to do is climb up like one little short section, you get to the top and you get that dopamine hit. Like it's so quick. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. My crazy friend wants me to go climb on this without any bungee cord or like without any harness. But I did it. And I was like, oh my God, wow. That was an immediate dopamine hit as soon as I accomplished it. And I don't experience that with most other things in my life anymore besides my phone, which is so horrible and annoying. Um, And I also don't 
experience that same feeling even with a workout. Sometimes I'll, you know, I'll feel like good about myself and be like, all right, nice, I did it. But even that takes like an hour. Yeah. I think it's because you could see the difference she made. Yeah, right? right? You're at the top. You're physically there. Yeah. So you look down and Whereas like, oh, the workout, shit. Unless you're uh, doing a hike or a bike or something that has a distance or footsteps or something, like you can't necessarily see the difference you made. There's the, right. the mile, the mile post isn't there. The mile, you know, the like, I, the marker, I went from here to here. I really like crafting. Um, I do just a lot of different types of stuff, embroidery, crochet, beading. Um, and, and it's like to, the creation aspect of it, but to be able to be like, Oh, look, I made this little thing in a half an hour or yeah. 60 minutes. Like, yeah. It's physical. Um, it's like, yeah. I wonder if we'll ever go back in the world to a time that looks more like before we had technology when most people worked outside or, you know, caring for their children and i don't know this is a little existential will. you know like the that movie like don't look up you know like when the end of the world actually happens and <laughs> sort of go go and, and return to some other um life where all the technology and all that stuff doesn't exist and we start again yeah um, no i think we yeah. i think we will um and i say that i'm i'm like hesitating as i say that because that's a that's a really bold declaration mm. to make but especially with all the advancements in AI right now, taking over some of this knowledge work, it's going to be so much faster than we even can wrap our heads around. Mm. But what's going to be left is the tangible stuff and the human right. connection and, you know, facilitation roles are going to become more important than, mm. than design the and engineering. You know? Right, right. Those yeah. tasks will likely be more automated in the future. Yeah, it's going to be about the human connection. I, I, I think, and in the arts, right? Like the yeah, art. When you were talking about going to art school, and um, I went to music school, so I was in a very similar, um, similar boat. Um, what do you play or sing? Um, I'm a singer. I also play the flute, but not well. Just I, it was just for fun in high school. I, uh, yeah, I, I did that kind of path too. Um, Can you sing something? I, right I no no <laughs> no that is that is mortifying so okay. <laughs> um I, I sing like little ditties when nobody is paying attention and okay. then um I sing in choir so like that's my formalized <laughs> experience mm, wow. creating something yeah. for the sake of creating and for something you're passionate about sharing so yes. yeah 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 um okay I have like two more big themes or questions that I, I want to come back to and, and talk with you about. Okay. Um, and one of them is around your career. And I know in, in our conversations, you've said how you've kind of had a hard time like putting a box or putting a name around what you're doing now. And I think leadership coaching or consulting is kind of the, the closest thing that you found. Yeah. Um, but in one of your pieces of writing, you said, I'm not a noun, I'm a verb. And you talked about how you sort of experience things rather than like being a thing. And I, I love that. I just, I want to hear more about your perspective on that. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's not my idea. That comes from Steve Chandler as well, who I already mentioned earlier. Awesome. Um, He's and getting good 
book promos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a, so this is an aspect of coaching and a growth mindset, right? Is when um, all all we really have is now, right? There's Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. There's so much stuff out there about all we really have is right now, this exact moment. And we expect time. We expect the future because we exist right now. So we think that we are going to continue to exist. Um, but all we really have is right now. And so all we really are is what we are in the moment. And everything else is a summary of the past. So I can, I can go around and say, like, I'm an, I'm an artist, or I'm an artistic person, right? So there's like adjective noun, um, because I have done all these artsy things in the past. Um, or maybe I'm not an artist because I haven't created anything recently, or I'm not an artistic person. When people um, ask a room full of children who's an artist, like 70% of the room raises their hand. But when you ask um, a room full of adults who is an artist, like maybe one person raises their hand, right? So that's a whole other story about culture. But regardless, like you... Um, start to pick these identities that do something for you. They make you feel better. They help you mm. get successful, like whatever it is. And they're not always useful. Um, and it contributes to a fixed mindset. So I am this type of person. Um, so the, this other idea is I am a verb. I am I am whatever I am in the moment. And if I want to change, I want to grow or improve in some area, I don't need to have these fixed identities be holding me back. Like, well, I'm not, um, I'm not a generous person, right? I don't give a lot. Like, well, who cares? What act of generosity do I want to do today? That is, that is the thing. Like, I'm not an artistic person. Well, what act of art do I want to do today? The, the one that I more freeing than yeah. how we think about like naming ourselves and our professions as adults. Yeah. We're like, I am this thing because I have experience doing this and yes. I work in this part of the organization. You know, it's, and, and I understand why there are these structures. It helps like provide clarity. It helps people yeah. kind of figure out where they go and yada, yada, yada. But I think all of that is better for the organization than it is for the individual um, yeah. at the end of the day. Well, and that might be the role you play in the organization too, right? And we do need those labels and clarifications um, because like we were talking about earlier, like you can't have all the input. You have to break things down into shortcuts and things like job titles and, um, you know, department titles and stuff. Yeah, you or don't what know if have 20 minutes to talk about all the verbs that you are currently experiencing yeah. or doing. Yeah, so. but I think it can lead to us forgetting that humans are individuals. And if you've got... 10 people that all have the title strategist, they are not all doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> they are not yeah. approaching things the same way. They are not even solving the same problems necessarily, right? It's just like the bucket that they get lumped into. Mm -hmm. And they might also be designers or artists or you know, writers or whatever, right? It's just like, here's the role that you're filling in the organization right now. So has this concept of thinking about yourself more as like ongoing activities and more verbs than nouns been helpful for you in defining your sort of new career path that you're on now sort of getting into coaching like how has that affected your mindset 
I think it's it's better for me personally, but it's difficult when I'm trying to uh, talk to other people about the mm. the difference that I make. Um, the the thing that I am, that I do, whatever, right? So, which is funny too, because one of my, some of my background is in value proposition and, you know, marketing. You have to be able to clearly say like, who are you serving? What is the problem? What do they need? What value do you provide? I don't really know. Maybe that makes me more of an artist is that I'm just kind of doing and creating and seeing what sticks. Mm. Um, But I do want it to be, I want to be helpful, right? Like I want to, I want to serve others. I'm not here just like doing it because I want to do it. I, I'm doing it because I want to be generous, right? Mm-hmm. That comes back around to like, I want to make a difference in the world. Have you, have you found any ways to provide more clarity when you are sort of pitching yourself to potential new clients and um, trying to really like express what your professional identity is? Because I think there's probably a lot of other people who are going through this same kind of self-questioning about um, what kind of work they want to do, and they don't necessarily know what the label is for that or what they want to label it. So Mm -hmm. have you found anything's been working well for you? So here's the thing. I am trying not to pitch. I'm trying not to pitch myself. Um, I don't want to sell and I don't want to attract, I want to create. Mm. I want to create clients, if you will. And this is something that my coach helped me get to this point is rather than feeling like I got to go out there and find these people, I just got to go out there and do me and do my thing and and bring the experience of Kate and Mm. talk about this woo stuff or the things that work that I saw, the problems that I noticed, the things that I observe that other people don't observe, right? Or that other people don't see necessarily. And I just need to show up and be me. And that in doing that, I might create a client, um, like someone who's like, I want more of that. I want more of, of, of being around this person. I think she'll be able to help me. Mm. Um, okay. I love that. But I have one challenge question. Yes, um, yes, please. How do you um, put yourself in the spaces then? You know, you can't just show up necessarily yeah. at like some company event and just do your thing yep. unannounced. So, so yeah, I've gone to some events and just start talking to people, but I also am setting up a lot of one-on-one coffee, walk and talk type of things. Mm-hmm. And people are surprisingly receptive to it. And if I say, hey, I am a new uh or leadership consultant new leadership consultant i don't even like to say it like that how i've been saying it i just relaunched my consulting business more because it is something i used to do before okay Um, because i'm not new right i've been in the job force for 20 something years (laughs) so yeah and like even you know you've probably done leadership consulting within other roles that you've been into even if it's not the formal name but the point is that I have availability and that I am, I'm looking for people to serve um, and looking for work. And I have to come at it from this mindset of abundance and generosity and not that I'm trying to get, right? Mm-hmm. If, I sh- if I show up to any conversation with the idea that I need to get something from that person, it, I, I'm not my best self. Um, and this is difficult, right? I'm talking about this is all theoretical, actually doing it in practice when you are seeing your bank account get lower, yep. 
and you got bills piling up. Yep. Yep. It's very scary. Mm -hmm. But one of the the things I'm doing is I need money, but I don't need your money. Mm. So I can figure out ways to get money to pay my bills. And right now I'm just trying to be out there and be helpful and do my thing because I know I have something powerful to share and give. I appreciate that so much. That just like made me a little emotional. <laughs> my nose just started twitching a little bit. I was like, oh, um, yeah. But everyone does. And yeah. that, that's the thing is I don't think you, you have to know that in yourself. Like I am and here. We'll get woo. I am a divine creature. I, I have something that only I can give, right? A light yeah. that only I can shine. Um, I am not competing with anyone else who has my same job title. You know, that's what it feels like to people is that they're like, oh, my God, how am I going to get through the ATS, you know, the applicant tracking system? And what's my resume got to say? And like, like you can deal with all that or you can just show up and and be your amazing self. I really like the sentiment behind that. And I agree. I think the hard part is practicing that. Um, yeah. And but I, I love the mantra that you said. Yes, I do need money, but I don't need your money. Um, <laughs> I am going to process that and take that with me. I think from this conversation because I'm also someone who um, feels like I'm on a mission with this podcast. It's primarily to help young professionals learn things that I didn't learn because I didn't have a sibling. I didn't have somebody like slightly older than me to help guide me on that journey. And I've learned so much and I I want to give that. Um, Now that doesn't pay the bills if nobody pays you. Right. But I will try to think about that as well. Like I have faith in myself. I do have something valuable, unique. I have something that's only me that I can yeah. offer. And, um, you know, figuring out the finance aspect will come. Yeah. And, and this is your experiment right now, right? Yeah. Like this is still a new thing. Like yeah. not every conversation I have is, goes beautifully. I flop. Right. Mm-hmm. So you just show up with the intention and then you, you do and you act and you see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Oh, it's so great. I feel like this conversation is just giving me new ways to, I don't want to call it new perspectives necessarily, but maybe new ways to um, put like a voice to something that's been just like a little bit in the back of my head and kind of validate some things. Um, But also maybe a new perspective as well. Um, I think that's, that's one of your gifts is helping to reshape the perspective of many different types of situations, whether that's professional or personal, um, both for yourself, obviously, and for, for other people. And I, I think, you know, it's, it's evident to me, you will succeed by bringing Kate and, and having that to offer. Thank you. I, I think even just the knowledge that we have a perspective that is biased and limited like you don't even have to be able to see other people's perspectives yet. As long as you realize that yours is not real, it's just yours. Mm. That is a powerful thing. Right. Ooh. Like we could talk more about perspectives too. <laughs> um, and well, and to young people, especially because if no one is telling you this, you start to think that what you are experiencing in the world is what is real. Right. We even mm-hmm. use the words like, my point of view, right, is where it's a sight word, or how do I see things, my perspective, like, it's all about sight. And so we think that what we see is what is real. Mm. But it's, it's not, 
it's not true. It's just, yeah, this is a deeper thing that people will be like, yes, but science and facts, and this is a pencil and it is real, but But like- they need to go back to art class and they (laughs) need to be taught to, you know, think about their perspective and how their perspective shapes what they see. Because I agree with you that it's, um, it's very hard, especially when you're young and in your early career, to understand that your experience in one place is not your experience in every place. Your perspective on something is shaped by your experiences. You know, your experiences build a narrative in your head about something. I mean, I'm guilty of this too. Like I had a narrative about being in the consulting field based on my personal experiences and my perception of those experiences. And I think that that perspective only grows both broader and you feel more sort of confident in your own perspective as you grow and you develop and have more of those experiences. Yeah. So Kate, it seems like you have really developed your perspective and your way of of showing up as you've advanced in your career and your life. What kinds of advice would you give to someone who is more early career and starting out as a as a professional in the workplace? Thinking about your audience as being young professionals, um, and I, I hate even giving that term like young, um, early career, maybe. Um, the thing that I've only recently been getting over, and I like I said, I've been in the workforce for over 20 years, is the need to know things. And to be an expert and to be knowledgeable and to be known for something. Um, And you know things and you do good at things and that's, and you get, that's how you get in the room and you get invited to the table and all of that stuff. Um, And so it feels very important. And if you put too much on that, you can, you can lose the, the point is to be of service and to make the difference. Um, and it's all perspective and the things that you know are all they it might not be real it might not be useful it might not be relevant you don't know it might be and then i'm saying i'm not i'm not trying to say that like knowledge is irrelevant obviously like i love knowledge i collect knowledge i take whatever free class i can take i pay for the classes that i really really want um but just don't get so hung up on knowing things Um, this was something I've been working with my coach on just recently is like, what if I didn't know anything? None of that is certain. That also helps open your mind to so much more creative possibilities because it removes the the barriers and the the boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, sometimes like someone coming into something fresh can have better ideas and more creative ideas than someone who's been stuck in that same field for a long time doing things the way they do things or the way you're supposed to do things. Yeah. So I think it's hard because in your early career, you need to establish yourself and kind of prove, you know, your, your worth. And, you know, I hate that that's how it is, but that's been my experience at least. And you can't do that without some sort of operating knowledge of something. If you keep sort of advancing and taking on more complex or more strategic roles, can that piece be removed where your job as a leader is more about empowering other people and about 
being the manager of a great team rather than being the one to execute on every idea and every initiative. In that case, I could imagine you don't need to know everything as much. You need to understand what motivates your team, how to help people learn, how to give people feedback that helps them grow and develop, how to maintain you know, a positive working environment and motivation. Yeah, and I think give some kind of vision. Mm. I think what's when you are a individual human, goals can be constricting because you're like, that's where I'm going. And so you don't you don't try other things that might be better for you. But when you're talking about lots of people working together, in order to make any progress, you've got to point them in a, in a direction and not like you, this is the map. This is how you get there. But at least like, that's where we're trying to go mm. or it becomes chaos. And if that is not the point, if it's okay for people to like, if you're trying to run a more innovative company and, and do innovative things, like just make that, make that more clear. Otherwise you risk burning your people out when you're like, okay, all these teams just worked on these things. We're going to go with this one and all the rest of y'all's work. Thanks for doing it. We're not going that direction. People are like, what? (laughs) Right. But if that's known to be the culture of innovation at the company, and that's what you, you know, you attract talent that's interested in that. And it's fine to, you know, experiment and have a lot of work sort of thrown out in pursuit of something better or more interesting Then maybe that is okay for those people who agree to that. Yeah. But you got to talk about it. And I think this is what what's hard. A lot of um, more technical people are like, these leaders don't do anything. They just talk. I'm like, yes. And sometimes that has to be the job is to make sure that everybody understands. And to get everybody to understand, sometimes you have to say the thing many 10, times, 20 many times. Many different ways. People are finally, this is somebody else's quote, um, by the time you're tired of saying it, people are finally starting to hear it. Mm. <laughs> I think that's true. That's true, especially at bigger organizations, because the, the the space between who says it and who receives it is huge. Yeah, at, you know, a five ten person team, maybe that's smaller. But I even working for a five person team, I did notice that problem where something would be said once and it wasn't digested by everyone on the team, even though all five of us were in the room and there's only five of us. Yeah, it still has to be repeated. It has to be ingrained. It has to become more like a mantra or like a way of operating, not just like a one off little ditty that someone said at a meeting. Yeah. And Um, just because you heard it doesn't mean you understood it from their perspective. Right. That's the other thing is you hear it, you filter it through your own perspective and then you go off in a different direction than what they actually meant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This whole conversation, I think, has revolved really nicely around perspectives Um, and Reflecting even on the way you said something is useful, but not as useful as reflecting on the way that other people understood what you said. That's Mm -hmm. a big gap, I think, in communication. It's not just about how you voice things, but it's did other people hear, understand, process? Did they know what it meant for them? Yeah. As opposed to just, yes, I said something that I think made sense and it was sensitive and kind and it was motivating and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Coming out of this larger company, there's a push to get to work, right? Get to work, do the real work, make the thing, provide the value to the customer. And sometimes this making sure that people were understood and we're all on the same page, like was not paid attention to enough because it's not creating value, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It is creating value because if you don't have it, you definitely won't get to the customer value. Right. 
but it doesn't feel like the real work to people. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And then, but you can see evidence of organizations where that understanding isn't present. And then the other initiatives start to fall apart because mm-hmm. they haven't had that cohesion and they didn't take the time properly to align, get themselves all thinking, feeling, you know, on the same page. Yeah. So it is the work. It is, it is the work um, when you get to a certain level. I mean, it's all work unless it doesn't need to be done, in which case it's not work. But um, I don't like putting the value judgment on what is real work or not real work. That always kind of bothers me. I'm like, the value judgment depends on what you value more. (laughs) True. And that is perspective. Yes. (laughs) Yes, if you're not delivering value to the customer, your business won't last. But if you are like burning out all your employees, you're not going to have any employees to create the Give thing. Give value to the customer. Value. Right. Yeah, so. <laughs> you got a point there. Some people should listen to you. Um, yeah, but, that's my pitch for yeah. leadership coach Kate is some people, <laughs> some people, they should really listen to you. <laughs> it's everything. It's always messy, right? Working with humans is messy because we show up with all of our hopes and fears and dreams and mm-hmm. whatnot. And, and so the, the, I think the point is not that you think, not to fix it. That's another thing. As a young person, I felt like that's my job to fix it. Mm-hmm. It's not your job to fix it. Um, it's no one's job to fix it. It's just everybody's job to deal with it and move forward and decide what actions they're going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, that's a shift in perspective, but um, I think it's an important one. If you go into it thinking, I I need to fix it, then you won't make as much progress as if you go, all right, what's the next right thing? Like, Mm. what's the next, what's the next right step we can take? Yeah. And that's more forward momentum than backward. Yes. Yeah. What are we going to do about it is way more forward thinking and much more um, optimistic. Yeah. 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 It's much more active toward, you know, solving future problems. I think it opens up room for opportunity to right so what is the change you seek to make you're you're either uh fixing a pain solving a problem or you're creating a new opportunity creating gains so if you're looking at everything from the place of um changing fixing old stuff you might be closing your mind off to the new opportunity stuff that you didn't even know was possible Mm. i like that a lot thanks (laughs) Um, (laughs) well this is a really fun conversation thank you for indulging me i feel like i'm sitting over here like talking about like i know things and then saying like you don't know things here i am (laughs) that's a funny paradox right (laughs) Um, but yeah no i i think this is a great place to leave the conversation i hope it helps someone who's feeling quite boxed into something and some way of thinking that's been ingrained in them is is a little bit freed by this conversation i hope so too and i genuinely hope you have enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as i enjoyed having it if you did it would mean a lot to me if you would rate the podcast five stars on apple spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts and if you enjoyed the video format this week i would also love for you to give me some feedback i'm still looking to improve and change the podcast every day to get better Thanks so much for joining us. Catch you in the next one.